the We Can't Wrestle podcast. The King listens to it. WWE Hall of Famer Jerry the King Lawler. And you better listen to it too. My friend Nate and the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode 166 of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson here with you, along this week with my brother Aaron. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. And it's just going to be the two of us this week as we continue through the Pro Wrestling Illustrated 500, the very first one. Um, Archie Mitchell is is uh, on location this week. He is not going to be with us. He's traveling. Can't Can't join us this week. We should have had him do like a Lee Marshall thing. <laughs> the the Archie Mitchell Road Report. <laughs> yeah. He could make some asinine joke about me or something. Yeah. <laughs> I hear out here in in uh wherever he's at, Boston, they make a mean Max and Stew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh like I said, folks, we are gonna continue going through the initial PWI five hundred this week. Last week we left off at two sixty with Mr. Nikolai Volkov. So we'll be starting at two fifty nine this week. But there is almost I mean, the halfway point. Yes. And I, I'm thinking like once we get uh once we get into the top hundred, we probably won't spend as much time ragging on some, you know what I mean? Like there won't be yeah, as I'll much comedy. Some. But uh, before we start talking about the 500 again, I mean, we really can't. We don't we don't cover a lot of modern what's going on stuff on this show, but you can't we can't do this show without talking about the elephant in the room. I was afraid of the penis in the room, but (laughs) which which may be finally where we may be watching finally the undoing of Vince McMahon. The undoing of the of the WWE slash WWF we've known our entire lives, um, and, and it, it, you what you watch now and you look back at, at how things have unfolded over the past couple of months. It's it's starting to all kind of come together, you yeah. know. Like, and, and I don't know a lot about like corporate structure above like what mm-hmm. I, I mean, I work for a company, like a corporation or whatever, but I'm like, but I'm a manager of a, of a, of a retail, like a, not a manager, but you know, I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a boss of a retail establishment, but I'm not a corporate guy or whatever. Um, he's the head of the board. And I understand that, but with having stockholders and a board of directors and all that shit, mm-hmm. Can't he get like a vote of no confidence or whatever? To- oh yeah, there's a way to oust him. There's a way to oust him, and it, this is I, okay. So they said that okay. So for those of you that don't know, apparently Vince McMahon, the one allegation that's out there now that they're investigating, which they say they're uncovering more, is that he paid three million dollars for a non-disclosure agreement for a young woman that both he and John Laurinaitis had an affair with. Um, And while this woman was working for the WWE, while they were making budget cuts, the time that she was having the affair with Vince, they gave her a $100,000 raise and a new title from assistant to director or something like that. Um, And it says that the story was leaked by a member of the board. And the investigation began in March. 
So first of all, we, I, I, it's obvious that we know why Stephanie took her quote unquote leave of absence to be with her family. Yeah. There's no doubt about that now. Secondly, um, and I've said this for a year, more than a year, as you know, Nick Khan has been running that company to get it in a position to sell it. Yeah. I've seen, I've worked for corporate America long enough to know what companies do when they're trying to be attractive to a possible buyer. And I think what this comes down to, and I can be wrong, I can be totally wrong, but my speculation is that probably Nick Khan weaseled his way into Vince's good graces in his inner circle, found things out. You know what I mean? Just like, yeah. I don't I don't know, man. It just, it all, and you know, he's trying to get Vince to sell and Vince won't sell. And yeah, I mean, we might be seeing for the first time in the history of that company founded in 1963, a McMahon not in charge of WWE. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> and um, he's had affairs in the past. Can't say that he hasn't. Um, mm-hmm. Well, obviously, I just read today, I didn't know that him and Linda are separated and have been for a couple of years, apparently. Like, they've been putting on or whatever, but she lives in Florida now, and they're not even together anymore. But I just, so. it's, 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 it's finally caught up with him. Yeah. Like, like you can <laughs> and, get away with that shit when it was just your company. Egg. That's what I was about to say, you oh. know, with the, with the steroid trials and all that stuff, you know, it was easy. It, it was a privately owned company. So he went through all this shit. And then, the, you know, the day after it happened, he got to get back to work. It doesn't work like that when you're a publicly traded company, like Aaron said, with stockholders and shareholders. And those people have their money invested in your company. And the Internet's out there. You can't hide anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's just like. Should have kept it in your pants, buddy. <laughs> so it turns out maybe that a con might be the one taking Vince down, just not the con that that other con thought it was going to be. Because yeah. <laughs> one is a businessman, and one is a is a is a daddy's boy who's playing with real life action figures. So there you go. There you go. I I don't know, man. I just like like some of the some of the like Meltzer's reporting is that he thinks. Vince is going to try to hold on to power and use Johnny Ace as a fall guy. I can see Vince using Johnny Ace as a fall guy, but I just don't know. I mean, I know he's always, the man's always been Teflon, but this time it just feels like this might be his undoing. (laughs) If so, it's been a great run, McMahon. (laughs) I I hate to say it. I I don't want to say it, but I think Vince is a shark. He's a human shark, and if he loses that spot, and he doesn't have that control anymore, he's probably got like a year. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you know what they say about sharks, like they're always moving, because if they don't move, you know what I mean? They're going like, mm-hmm. to sleep and they're moving, because if they stop moving, they could die. And that's why they just, that's why they're just eating, killing machines, because they have to, they have to move, they have to feed, and that's Vince. And yeah. if they're like, okay, Vince, you're good now. Put you out to pasture. We don't need you anymore. He'll he'll be dead in a year. All right. Well, that we Ted have spoken. Like I won. 
outlived the bastard. <laughs> The only thing that the only thing that uh, we've said we've said it for a couple of years now. There's Vince McMahon, and then now there's old Vince. Um, the only thing that, to be honest, the product's so god awful anyway. Other than shining moments, you know, it has its shining moments still, but overall, it's god awful. You know, so the product is what it is. I don't care about that so much. The only thing that I fear is if 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 wrestling people some at least some maybe that's why Jarrett's there. But anyway, we put Jarrett in charge of live events. Yeah, which means every event, every event is a live event. Yeah, wouldn't that be ironic? Thirty years later, a Jarrett does take some take control of WWE. It's yeah. <laughs> but uh, any, anyway, I fear I just I don't want to lose the library. I don't want I don't want non wrestling people to come in and feel like the library is worthless. And I don't think don't I don't think I don't think that'll happen. Like. That's not going to happen because Peacock signed that deal with them or whatever. And Peacock is a library based. Mm-hmm. They, uh, that that NBC understands that people want to watch old con like like if they didn't think that people wanted to watch old content, they wouldn't have like Cheers. every episode of Cheers. That's what I'm yeah. saying. They wouldn't have Cheers on there. They wouldn't have Frasier. Frasier and all that. So people want to watch that shit. And, and, mm-hmm. and streaming services are about content and and libraries and shit like that. So I, I think, like, I honestly don't think the WWE has anything, I shouldn't say anything to do with their network. I think that that sale happened because they were like, we'll just give NBC the the operating structure of our our network. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't, I don't think that's ever going to go away. But I don't know a lot about Nick Khan either, but I hope he's smart enough that if it happens that he's smart enough to go, I'm a businessman, I can run a company, but I'm not a wrestling guy. And mm-hmm. hopefully put some, it won't be Hunter now. No. Possibly Jeff Parrott. Possibly, but I think Nick Khan is also, um, I, I don't think if, if Vince gets ousted, at least for a long time, there won't be anybody in that family that's in charge of running that company. I think they'll all get paid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but just, like McMahon's right. still going to get paid. Don't get me wrong. but Another thing that could happen, and I know we're, we're supposed to be getting into this PWA 500, but you made me think of it when you said wrestling people. Another thing that could happen because of their closeness and their – you could see Dwayne Johnson become – some kind of an executive with that company. Yeah. Him and Nick Khan. Him and Nick Khan. They're like childhood buddies or whatever. Yeah. I don't I don't see him running like running the No, no. It, but I could see Nick Khan leaning on him and saying, What do you think? Mm-hmm. And and I would <laughs> I really hope he's like, What do you think? And Dwayne Johnson's like, I don't know. You got Paul Heyman over there. He's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Take care of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That would be fantastic. That would be fantastic if a guy with the last name Khan, Jeff Jarrett, and Paul Heyman started running WWE. <laughs> uh, bring on, bring Eric Bischoff on yeah, in too. Bring Eric back in here too. <laughs> Jesus Christ! They're like, they're like, what, what, what do you think of that Russo guy? And all three of them be like, "Fuck him!" Ow. Russo was right though. I have to give him credit. At least he wasn't right in two thousand and. There he wasn't right in ninety nine and two thousand, but he's right now. 
behind the scenes is much more interesting than what's on yeah. television. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Vince, Vince fucked up. Yep. I think he's done this time. If he's not done immediately, he's he's on his way out. It's like that Chappelle skit. It was at that moment that he realized he fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into this. Pick your pen and the company ink. Exactly. <laughs> I wonder who um, the board member was. <laughs> probably Tony Khan. I mean, Nick Khan. Nick Khan, yeah, probably Nick Khan. Or one of the people. When he became president, he appointed three board members. So it could be, could, he could he could have had one of those people leak it. Like, honestly, what I, it's a stretch. And then we can get into the 500. But when I heard, like, oh, board members said this or whatever, I was like, man, I wonder how mad Hunter actually was. Mm. <laughs> Like, oh, I, you're taking NXT away from me? But did you know Vince is fucking that chick in the <laughs> in Office Twelve? Do you know that? Put the screws to the old man. Yeah. <laughs> this is your ultimate curtain call, Vince. Yeah, you gave me a heart attack. <laughs> took my show away. I'm actually uh, doing my job. You're worrying about fucking chicks you shouldn't be fucking. You're 77 years old. Yeah. What an ordeal. How much gross must that be watching Vince McMahon climb up on you? (laughs) (laughs) All right. The 1991 Pro Wrestling Illustrated (laughs) Top 500. We continue with number 259, Coco Beware. 5-9-229, 11 years pro. The Birdman continues to soar over the WWF. Aerial ability and his Ghostbuster pile driver nullifies smaller foes, brings his pet parrot Frankie to the ring. Good old Coco. I got no problem with Coco Beware. Big ball of charisma. Yeah, I know people knock him, and he's one of those guys who are like, oh, he was better in Memphis, and I understand that. But he was a good guy to have on the card. Could work. He worked with anybody. And to me, other than that one time when he got called the N-word and beat the shit out of the guy, the the executive, I never heard anybody say like, oh, he was a pain in the ass or mm-hmm. dick or anything. Well, like I mean that. shit, look how long he look how long he worked for the WWF and I mean obviously the way he was booked, he wasn't a complainer. Yeah. Cause he was always the guy that, you know, he got the wins and then when it came time to, you know, lose to the bigger star. He lost to the bigger star. He was there for a good many years, so obviously it was a good relationship. Yeah. So, no problem with Coco Beware. Number 258. 510, 227, 12 years pro. You froze on my end. Who is it? Barry Horowitz. Oh, okay. 5'10", 227, 12 years pro, undeservedly underrated, has spent years in the WWF and WCW, but shines in independent federations, knows virtually every hold ever invented. Barry Horowitz, I mean, obviously a great worker because he was a great uh, jobber. Yeah, and much like I was saying about Lake Coco, nothing to nothing to complain about him on. Um, he He got that... Little little run here in a couple of years because 
business was down and money was tight. So they had berries around. Let's give him a little bit of a chance. And like I said, this time, um, hell of a hand. I mean, he, he's the guy that Bret Hart was like, Bret Hart said Barry Horowitz should be in the, like, I know I shit on the warrior sometimes or whatever. And, and he was talking about, he he mainly used it as like a, he mentioned Warrior, but he mainly used it as a way to attack Goldberg because he'll, he'll, he'll never have a chance to fucking fuck Goldberg. But he's like, Bill Goldberg's in the Hall of Fame, but Barry Horowitz isn't. Right. He's like, guys like that should be, you know, mm-hmm. honored. If you're going to call it a wrestling Hall of Fame, you're, and I don't think that Bill, I don't want to say it, like, I'm not saying Bill Goldberg shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, but Brett kind of has a point. Yeah. Like, like Bill Goldberg got in the business to make money, wasn't a wrestling fan. And for the, from an aspect of how long he was in it, it was a cup of coffee, you know? And then here you got Barry Horowitz, who was up and down the road with these guys doing everything he could to make them look good. And he's just like, eh, Barry, whatever. He's like, guys, that should be in. And Brett said, Barry's a hell of a fucking word. If Brett Hart's complimenting you, it, he, Obviously, yeah. Obviously, you're good because Brett doesn't hand out a lot of compliments. Brett Hart hated Shawn Michaels, but he still said Shawn Michaels is one of the greatest workers in the history of the business. Brett Hart, like Aaron said, Brett Hart doesn't just hand out compliments, even if he hates your lousy stinking guts. He's gonna tell. He's gonna admit that you're a fantastic worker. Yeah. Number two fifty-seven is Joe Khan, six four, two sixty-five, five years pro. Comes and goes, but now he's back again. <laughs> Native of Singapore is now in the PWA, a huge brutal mauler who pays no attention to the referees or fans. I'm not a fan of T. Joe Khan. Yeah, does that for me? It we he kind of has a weird look, and it's not like a weird look like in a cool way. Like a, it looks I don't know. I, I, I wasn't a fan. Wasn't he? He's the guy I'm thinking of, right? That was with Paul Jones and Crockett. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He was just lame. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, not a fan. All right. 256 is a guy that we are both a fan of. TNT. Six Samuel foot tall. Yes, yeah, six foot tall, 242, seven years pro. War-painted martial arts master is a WWC superstar, has captured the Caribbean title on several occasions, had a violent feud with an imposter TNT in 1990. Yes, TNT eventually goes on to wrestle in the WWF as Savio Vega. And um, I think he's a great worker. I've watched a lot of his his Puerto Rico stuff, obviously, being a fan of him. And for that style, he was really, really good in that. In that, If we're talking about, you know, in this time frame is what we're yeah. discussing. He was definitely a standout because you watch. I watch a lot of that or I haven't watched a lot of Puerto, but a lot of the Puerto Rico that I have watched. I'm like, eh, you know, a lot of. I don't know, kind of underwhelming, violent for no reason, yeah. you know. And but TNT sticks out as like a what everything he does has a purpose. Yeah, and and a good mind for the business, and another guy that everything you hear about it, just like how Jim Ross says, just a good citizen, did whatever you asked him to do, didn't bitch. Mm-hmm. Everybody liked him, like. Like if 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 the hearts and the click all both groups just like you and you're accepted by both of them, 
And then you're also in Undertaker's. He was in. He was with. Yeah, he was in BSK. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're if you were cool with every one of those groups, you're a good dude. Yeah. It's like being the guy. It's like being the guy that can go to any lunch table at high school. Yeah, they're like, I have a seat, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) A good dude, and hell of a wrestler, and he's kind of. This might sound like a weird comparison, but I'd put him in that category with like um, Dustin and and Kid, like in that group, where he, he's never gonna be your he's never gonna be your world champion. And I think at one point he should have been Intercontinental Champion. Mm-hmm. Never gonna be your world champion. He's never gonna main event WrestleMania. But anytime you put him in there with anybody, he's gonna. He's gonna shine. He's gonna he's gonna give you he's gonna give you a great fucking match. I know we're talking about ninety one, but I would put D'Lo in that category too. Yeah, there's a reason that Savio was the member of the Nation of Domination. That um, I shouldn't even say member of Nation. There's a reason that Savio was the first guy they put Gold Dust with, and mm-hmm. the first guy that they put like. Like Rock, like I'm doing a lot of the Raws right now from '97. Like Savio's all over the place, fucking fighting Rock, and it's like, hey, this kid's green, but he's a puppy with big paws. Mm-hmm. Let's put him in Savio. Or know? on the on the opposite side, this guy's new to our company. We want to get him over. We want him to have great matches. So we'll put Steve Austin with Savio Vega. Yeah, you know, not that they did, not that Steve Austin couldn't go, but let's put him with somebody that that is going to get in there with him and have some great matches and, you know, cause to me is one of the great underrated rivalries. Like, yeah. I really enjoy watching them work together. Yeah. 255 handsome stranger, six, one, two forty five, one year pro make mega strong rookie is power. Former GAW TV title holder, much more than just a bodybuilder. He learned his craft well. Yeah. Here's my thing about Bagwell. I, um, a, a self-destructive person. Person. Um, he's not a good person. I don't know. That's just my opinion. But, but. What I will say is, to be honest with you, until literally until the Buff Bagwell gimmick, I actually liked him. I thought he was a good mid card babyface worker. Like he, and I know we're talking about Handsome Stranger because this is ninety one, but ultimately he goes on. He has a good team with Patriot. He has two. I don't know. I I, I liked him as a worker before they. Gave him the Buff Bagwell deal. I'll, I'll give you that. Like he he's a tag team guy, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And Martin you take shouldn't him, be... take him away from that. I, I, it's like, and part of me soured on him because of just the fact that when I look at him, I say this guy's a fucking creep. <laughs> just in my opinion, you're you're right. 254, Eric Sabracha. EW light heavyweight champion has gained much 
experience during the past two years. Favorite maneuver is crushing elbow drop. I don't know anything about him other than he was in the magazines all the time. I don't even know if I've ever seen Eric Sabracha match. I just remember his name from the magazines. I have no fucking idea who that guy is. <laughs> okay. 253. We're going to agree on this guy's greatness. One of the great in-ring workers of all time, in my opinion. 253 is the Lightning Kid. Yeah. 6'2", 200 pounds, two years pro. Agile youngster shocked the sport by capturing the global light heavyweight title. Incredible leaps from the ring leave fans gasping. Native of Minnesota. Sean Waltman, obviously. Bell to bell. I'll fight anybody. One of the, probably the top 20 best workers of all time. Yes. And um, proof positive is a guy like, I'm going to say it because I don't want to be disrespectful. A guy like him had no, if he wouldn't have been as good as he was, he would have never got to where he got in the WWF. Ever. Oh yeah, oh yeah. With that physique at that time, they'd have never even looked at him. And I guarantee that he kind of—I don't want to say good citizen because he wasn't always a good citizen. He was <laughs> one of those guys that was like, uh, which I mean, everybody liked him. Like he's a nice guy or whatever. But he had fucking demons and shit. But he was a guy that was just everybody was just like, this is the guy we want to work with. Mm-hmm. Like, he's that fucking good. And unlike, and speaking of the demons, unlike, and, you know, I'm not speaking ill of the dead. Everybody knows the stories. Unlike his friend Scott Hall, unlike Roberts, um, yeah, Waltman has his demons, but I've never heard of him, anybody saying he went in the ring loaded and was unsafe. You know, he kept his shit out of, he kept his shit and his work separate, I guess I'll say. Yeah, and he's a respectful guy too. Like mm-hmm. that's like I've never heard anybody go, oh like like you know like Brett would talk about like like he doesn't like Triple H like he he hates him you know and he's gone on record to say I fucking hate that guy you mm-hmm. know but um like he's one of the guys that calls him the son-in-law of the time he has son-in-law over there you know yeah. um but um. You always hear about Waltman was just like these guys. Like, I don't hear about him being. I think he was buddies with those guys, but I don't hear a lot about him being like a dick to everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, like he almost seems like to me like he was the type of guy that other dudes were like, "Why do you hang out with those guys?" You know what I mean? Like, like why? Why do you hang out with them? And he's yeah. probably trying. To, he's he's the guy that was probably trying to defend his buddies to these other guys. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, yeah. man! He's not that bad. And they're like, that guy's a fucking prick. Like, you just got to get to know him. They're like, fuck. I, I think it, I think it goes back to one of those things. Like, there's obviously you have different personalities and different personality traits. I think it comes down to he was a great worker and loved working with great workers, but he was also a partier and he saw where the party was going on. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, I love working with Bret Hart, but I love partying with Scott Hall. You know what I mean? I was hanging out with Bret after the show. It's kind of yeah. boring. <laughs> like, I don't want to just sit in the room and drink. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't want to listen to Bret talk about himself. Yeah. <laughs> like, all you want to talk about is wrestling. 
don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Number 252 is Skip Young, 6'1", 230, 15 years pro. Sweet Brown Sugar has returned to Texas, made a recent comeback in the new global area. Precise drop kicks have thrilled fans in the USWA, World Class, and UWF. Skip Young was fine. Um, I'm not going to go out of my way to watch Skip Young, but if Skip Young's on, I'm not going to fast forward. He's fine. That's, um, I don't yeah. know a lot about him. He's one of the, the African-American gentlemen that Bill Watts tried to replace Junkyard Dog with. Like, <laughs> after JYD left, man, Bill Watts was just like, you black? <laughs> Let's like, see if it works. He didn't understand it's like it's it's they don't like him because he's black. Exactly, they like him because he's fucking JYD. He's cool. <laughs> yeah. He could be white and people would say he could have been a Mexican and people have been like, "Junkie, our dog's awesome." <laughs> you know what I mean, it wasn't yeah. the fact that he was black, <laughs> right? <laughs> it was just because he was cool. Number two fifty one, Doug Summers, six three two forty five, twenty years pro. The Pretty Boy has been a top contender for years, held the AWA tag title with Buddy Rose, also a former ACW champion, thinking man's rule breaker. We talked about it, I think, on the last episode. Summers and Rose versus the Midnight Rockers is my favorite stuff from the AWA. Yes. And it's really the only, to be honest with you, it's really the only, like, I guess, what I want to say, extensive stuff that I've seen of Doug Summer's career. I have to kind of plead ignorance on it because I haven't seen a lot of him Yeah, other than that. Other than that. And it was like those guys and then like Bachwinkle and Heenan. That's about the only stuff that I'm just like, yeah, that's good shit, pal. Yeah. Number 250, Dean Malenko. Five nine two ten. I had no idea that in 1991 he had been wrestling for 10 years. Son of former rule breaker Boris Malenko, style is long way from that of his father. Highly athletic style serves him well in Japan. I really didn't know. Yeah, like, I thought I thought Malenko. I, I honest to God, I thought he started in like 88 or 89. I did not know he was wrestling in fucking what was 81. It had been there 10 years. Um, he was a ref in WWF. Do you know that? Nope. Yep, he was a referee there for a little bit. And I'm supposed to be Mr. WWF knowledge in this group. He, he was he was a ref, and he was also involved in the um, court proceedings with that um, um, guy that oh, what was his fucking name? The guy that the the Rockers. Fucking paralyzed. No, uh, uh, Chuck Austin. Yeah, Chuck Austin. He was involved in that. He was at. Um, they used him in like the actual like in the court. Like they cleared they cleared mm. like or whatever, and used him as showing the way to actually like perform the bump and like. Yeah, I remember that now. How he did it. How I don't want to say he did it wrong or whatever, but just he he explained to the jury how this guy should have taken the bump. And all that shit. But yeah, he was a ref there for... It wasn't very long. Like, a couple months maybe. But then they never did anything else. And he was probably like, I don't want to be a fucking ref. <laughs> I think it's one of those guys that they were like, Oh, this guy's a good wrestler, but he's not very big. You know? Mm-hmm. And probably help lead a match. I, I have a feeling at that, when he was there, I think they thought 
uh, let's get this guy in there. He's not very big. Let's use him as a ref and maybe move him in. Uh, maybe move him in as being like an agent or whatever. And he was just like, I was just I'm fucking asshole. Yeah. You know? Number 249 is Steve O. 6'1", 233, 13 years pro, former AWA mainstay, now competes sporadically on independent cards in Minnesota, still boasts an outstanding scientific repertoire, including a precision drop quick kick. I have nothing. Yep. Number 248, Mr. Pogo, 5'10", 210, 20 years pro. Japanese veteran has overcome lack of size with a blend of guile and deception. One of the most flagrant users of foreign objects in the sport uses savat kicks. Um, anything I've ever seen of Mr. Pogo, it's fine. It is what it is. You know, he was what he was. I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not down on him. I'm not up on him. He's just, he, he existed. Yeah, he's a garbage wrestler. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that it's like a derogatory term, but he just did. That's, I don't want to say, like, I don't mind hardcore wrestling. Like when we talk about ECW and, mm-hmm. and shit like that, I, it's like, he I was, I was like using sickles and shit like this. Eh, whatever. Well, and he was, he was too, uh, he was more in the vein of of uh, an Abdullah or an Onita as opposed to Supreme. Yeah. Or somebody like that, you know, that's he actually had ability, but what he the the character that caught on that he got to portray and make money with happened to be a sadist, you know. Yeah. Whereas these other guys were just throwing themselves into barbed wire because they yeah, couldn't like, fucking that, that's, work. That's what I'm saying. I don't. That's why I said I didn't want to disparage him. Like I'm not saying he was a garbage wrestler. I'm saying he just got into that garbage style of wrestling. And and I mean, in Japan, that's what they fucking called it. Like they called yeah. themselves. I'm a garbage wrestler. You know. Yeah. So so I'm not being disparaging in that aspect. I'm just saying that's not a style of wrestling that I just say like, I don't want to watch that. Mm-hmm. Like I like FMW all that shit. It's like eh, it is what it is, but I don't I, I don't like watching guys go through fucking light tubes and yeah yeah. Um, number two forty seven Terry Garvin five ten to twenty four years pro former formerly. <clears throat> Maybe not formerly. Effeminate grappler has made a shocking change, has bulked up and cut off long curly hair. A new man, not related to either Jim or Ron Garvin. Terry Garvin. Uh, How speaking long of have you been wrestling? Four years. Is this the Terry Garvin with the Ring Boys? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. I had a longer career than that by 91. Hmm. Because this isn't Terry Garvin Sims, I don't believe. I'd have... Okay, hold on. Let's see. Bear with me, ladies and gentlemen. Because I'm going to Wikipedia this. Just because I want to know if we're talking about the same Terry Garvin. Because I've never seen a Terry Garvin match. So all I know is Terry Garvin was um, the last great WWE Vince McMahon scandal that... (laughs) Uh, Terry Garvin. Okay, so no, it's not the same guy. Because the Terry Garvin that was uh, involved in the sex scandals debuted in 1957. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe this is Terry Garvin Sims. Okay. I was like, yeah, that's not that Terry Garvin. 
And I don't think anybody would have been booking that Terry Garvin <laughs> at this point. Is this, All would right. been, this would have been right at the scandal. Nah, eh, kind of, sort of. Yeah, it starts to kick in in 91 and then really hits, the shit really hits the fan in 92. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, you're out four years in the business and being able to rape kids. <laughs> <laughs> Number 246, Virgil. 511 233 6 years pro former valet for Ted DiBiase is now striking out on his own violent split with former mentor sent him toward a new relationship with Roddy Piper great hand speed and his feud with DiBiase was the best thing he ever did in his career yeah and um he's a guy we all poke fun of and we do this that and the other thing but i mean he was he was an important part of the WWF in the eighties. I mean, it, it, Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man, fantastic gimmick, you know, but would it have worked as effectively as it did without having the bodyguard Virgil? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. So, and, and, and it's like, he said, he'd gone out there and said, it. he's like, I was the guy like, I was the guy getting fucking suplexed on the concrete by Hulk Hogan. You know what I mean? Like he was taking most of the fucking bad bumps and shit. And Ted was whatever. And, um, he kind of recently, I know we don't like to talk about recent stuff because we're trying to talk about like 91 or whatever. And I kind of agree with him on it. He kind of blasted DiBiase because Virgil's going through some health shit and everything. And he said DiBiase hasn't even like reached out to him, to check on him or anything like mm-hmm. that. You know? so that's kind of shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Especially somebody that was so integral in your career. Yeah. And um, yeah. I'll just say this. He's, he, like I said, he wasn't the greatest worker in the world or anything like that. Hell of a bump taker, but he wasn't yes. the greatest worker in the world. But he's a, he he was one of the guys kind of like honky tonk man, not now, but like honky tonk man took when the shoot interview thing happened was like oh this is gonna be a resurgence for me and I'll do all of these shoot interviews and I'll work these fucking marks you know and have these fantastic outlandish stories or whatever he did that with fucking Virgil did that with Twitter and the internet he was like yeah. yeah. Oh no! No, I was going to say, I would, I would never. I, I don't think, I don't think I have. And you can tell me if I'm wrong. I've never actually like shit on Virgil. Like he served his purpose with the DiBiase thing. He's not a great wrestler, but he was fine. Um, you know, like yeah, oh maybe I've made fun of him doing the whole too legit to quit thing or whatever. But I've never said out oh, Virgil had a shitty match. He was a fine, he was a decent wrestler. Like you, I find him fucking entertaining as shit. Yeah. Like that guy, that guy is slick at getting people's money too. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, we were at we were at a convention. Everybody, Virgil. T- I watch. I really watched Virgil. Go up to a guy who was standing there with a cell phone. The guy took a selfie with him and Virgil, and then Virgil asked him for 20 bucks. Like, the guy didn't even know he was going to be getting <laughs> And the guy gave him 20 bucks. <laughs> That's fucking talent. Yeah. So, 
God bless Virgil. Yeah. And you know what? And everything about when, like when people, you know, show the picture of like, they'll show a picture of him in the desert at the table that says, you know, former WWF star Virgil or whatever. Virgil takes it on the stride. That's what I'm saying. He he rolls with it. He uses that shit. Mm -hmm. God bless him. Yeah. I hope he gets better. Me too. Number 245, a guy that you and I part ways on. Now, you don't like him, but I did. Scott Putzke. Yeah. Six foot two, thirty-five, five years pro, learning well from his famous father, Ivan. Gained fame on the gridiron as a fullback for Texas Christian University. Combined strength with surprising agility and speed. I thought Scott Putzke had a big upside. Um, I enjoyed him in GWF. I enjoyed him in his brief run in the WWF before he... You know, had his little botch outside the ring and that, out. yeah, and then you know, then he was a WC. By the time by the time he got to WCW, he, was, he he had made himself too big. Yeah. Like he was always a smaller, muscular guy. But by the time he got to WCW, big, you know, like you're just gonna constantly be injured. But yeah. I thought it, I thought early in his career, I really did think he had an upside. It's one of my favorite Lawler moments. Oh, like when he does bust his quad or whatever, fuck his knee up or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like laying there. He's like, ah, and the EMTs are checking on him. And Lawler picks up that brick and he's like, hey, hey, try this on him. You can see if this helps. <laughs> Two forty-four is right. That, that that is. I love. I'm a fan of Jerry Lawler. You know what I mean? And and. Yeah. When he does things like like he's got this thing where like people like go like, he projects himself mm-hmm. as being this oh shucks I'm Jerry Lawler you know like I watched this thing where they like they were touring his house like recently like some guy showed up and he's like oh Doug what are you doing here but, like you told me I'd come see your house Mister Lawler and they're like walking through it and he's like oh shucks I really love these donuts and this is where I this is where I watch TV ah ha ha but Deep down, Jerry Lawler's a dick. Mm-hmm. Like, in real he's a life, heel. The dick. Yeah, he's a heel. And, and then, like, just him, like, hey, try using this. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> it's fucking funny. He, Number- he's a guy, like I said, I think he's more like his WWF character in real life than he tries to project. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. 244 Russian Brute. 68330, three years pro, native of Moscow, wrestled in the AWA under the management of Ox Baker, learned the heart punch from Baker, quite mobile for a man his size. I got nothing. So that's his name, Russian Brute? Russian Brute. And they say he's from Moscow? Moscow. I think it would be like Russian Brute from Topeka. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got nothing on Russian Brute. 243, the juicer, six foot two, thirty-five years pro, formerly known by his real name Art Bar, and by his previous nickname Beetlejuice, the son of former wrestler and current Pacific West Pacific Northwest referee Sandy Bar. Here's my thing about Art Bar. He's one of those guys that I hear people and, and, and uh, you know I hear people talk about him all the time and his potential greatness and all that, and I've seen the stuff with his team with Eddie Guerrero, but I haven't seen enough. I have personally haven't seen enough of him to to have an opinion. I guess I just have never explored his career or whatever. You know, oh, he was a hell of a worker, but he was kind of a 
I don't want to say crummy human being, but he, he, I don't know if you know a lot about his life, but like, yeah, 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 no, and that's what I'm saying. I know a lot about his story, but I haven't seen a lot of his work. If he wouldn't, he had a, he had a issue, he had drug issues and he had thing, he had a, he had a certain liking of a female of a younger status type of, that's how I want to say it. Um, and if he would have, I think if the guy would have been clean and not had what his preferences were or whatever, I think he would have had a bigger career. Like that's what happened to him in WCW. WCW when they hired him, they didn't fucking know because mm-hmm. they don't because they don't fucking do their goddamn read. Like nobody did any research on him. WCW everybody they just said this guy's really good. Let's hire him. And then he got there, and then when he's working there, then they were like, "Oh, you have you have sexual predator charges against you, right. and we've had you be in the Beetlejuice running out there with the kids. We got to get rid of you." <laughs> You know, we can't have yeah. that. Yeah. And it's just, I think if you wouldn't have had, if you wouldn't have had that against him and his pills issues or whatever it was, he would have been a, he would have been a bigger star. Um, Piper really liked him. Like Piper was a big proponent of him, but like I read in this book, Piper said that people, some of his family blamed Roddy Piper for Art Bar dying, and Piper said really sat with him, mm. like because they tried to say like some of the shit that Piper did, because Piper was a pill guy and a, a, a guy, yeah. and they tried saying that um, I don't want to say like his influence led Art Bar to doing that shit, and Piper said it kind of sat with him wrong. I don't think that's right. It's like people are, he's a grown ass man. Yeah. You make your own fucking decisions. Yeah. Number 242, Jacko Victory, 6'4", 236 years pro. New Jersey native teams with Rick, Rip Morgan as the royal family. Former flag bearer for the Sheep Herders. Was, was managed by Paul E. Dangerously in W. Jack Victory, folks, for those of you that don't know, in the post-territory era of pro wrestling, he was the closest thing you could call to a journeyman. Yes. I actually like Jack Victory. Me too. Me too. You know, he just, he'd show up in whatever promotion. I think the only promotion I never saw him show up in was the WWF. Yeah. He was even even in WCW in like 99. Yeah. Like 99 to like 2000. It might have even been before ECW. Yeah. Did I say WCW? Yeah. Sorry, but yeah, ECW in like '99, like he feud with New Jack, <laughs> was with Steve Carino, like, and and I actually thought the Royal Family was kind of a cool tag team. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, they're never going to be your tag team champions or whatever, but they're they're like a they're like a good little like Beverly Brothers type tag team, you know? I'd, yeah, I dug them, and um. I was a I was a big fan of him teaming with uh, uh, John Tatum in in World Class too. They were fun. Yeah, uh, so I got nothing against Jack Victory, shaped like a pear. But other than that, <laughs> right? Two forty one, a guy that I man, I wish that there was more footage available. 
because I always hear you would you just would love to see this guy. He's one of the greatest workers of all time. I just haven't got to see a lot. Ray Stevens, 6'1", 248, 42 years pro, a true Hall of Famer. Still dons the tights on occasion, famous for his bombs away knee drop from the top rope, can still show the young guys how it's done. I wish, because I, as, a, as a tag team wrestling fan, I wish I could see Pat Patterson and Ray Stevens, but there isn't much footage that you can see. Yeah. And, but I, I hear they were one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Yeah, and it's like, um, it's like, I think it was Cornette. I heard him say it. Um, um, people talk about how Patterson and and Stevens hell of a tag team, and then Bachwinkle and Stevens hell of a tag team, and Cornette's like, what's the, what's what what's the common denominator? Common denominator there. It's fucking Ray Stevens. And um, they said he was like Flair puts him over, talking about how great he fucking was, like in the ring and out of the ring, and like he he just just a fucking hell of a wrestler. Mm-hmm. And um, they said he got it like I um, who I I don't want to say who it was that I read exactly said it, but like he got to the WWF and they made him an agent, and he was. Just, he got in there and tried it, and then was just like, "Nope, I can't do this." Yeah, not for me. And and, and the reason wasn't that he didn't want to. It wasn't that he didn't want to like map out matches for the boys or say be here, be there at this time. You know what? Like the sticking point for him was what was that? That he had to be a narc. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, <laughs> he's, he's like, I'm not gonna tell like. What so and so do last night? Like I ain't fucking telling you that, right? <laughs> Ask yeah. Strombo; he'll tell you. Yeah, it's like I'm not gonna fucking tell you what that guy did last night. Flair said that they used to drive down the fucking roads, and he'd be with Bachwinkle and Stevens or whatever. They'd be pounding beers and shit, and fucking uh, how how do he say Stevens would say it? I'm a fucker, I'm a fighter, I'm a wild bull rider. And he'd just be slamming fucking beers and Flair would be like, I was in that backseat, like, I'm going to fucking die tonight. (laughs) I am going to die tonight. Because they're fucking pounding goddamn beers and driving down the fucking... I was going to say, it's like those... A a two-lane fucking... Dirt that's what, or not real country road in fucking Minnesota. Like, so to say, it's like those stories you tell that you hear people telling. I've heard multiple people tell tell uh, Harley race driving stories. Yeah, you know this. For two forty, fuck you. We're gonna make it there, like fucking hundred miles an hour, smoking a cigarette and drinking two beers at the same time. It's like, oh my fucking god. <laughs> Number 240 is Rip Rogers, six foot, 238, 14 years pro, a very impressive lightweight. One of the most daring aerial specialists this side of a Randy Savage could use a manager, recently entered Global and WCW. He's all right. <laughs> he hates your guts. Yeah. <laughs> I, left all them gr- I left all them groups, but yeah. Anytime I'd post something, I'd Rip Rogers for some reason. I never met the man, never will. Every time I post something, he was like, fuck you, or what? I was like, oh my God. <laughs> fuck you back, Rip Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Number 239, Adrian Street. 57236, 30 years pro. Don't judge the adorable one by his effeminate manner. Pound for pound, as tough as anyone. Native of South Wales, valet is Miss Linda. It's fucking awesome. And they're probably the what? They're probably the longest couple, like wrestling couple that ever lasted. Yeah. You know, like they just like, I'm not talking about like Harley being married to his wife for however many years. I'm talking about an actual couple that was both, were both in wrestling together. Yeah. And he's fucking awesome. Just fantastic. And um, I don't know why he never went for Vince. I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's just because he didn't like want that schedule or whatever it was, but I mean, adorable Adrian Adonis was Adrian street. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know if they just did that with him because they couldn't get him or whatever. I mean, he's had associations with the WWF. I mean, he, they, they said he brought, they brought him in to teach gold dust how to be gold dust. I don't know if that's true or not, but I've always heard that. And just a fantastic fucking gimmick. And, um, Again, those like street rap, like little videos that he made, and imagine what I could do to you, and fucking song about big girls or whatever. Like it's yeah. like it, it, it. He was fucking great. He's like um, he's like pro wrestling punk rock. Yeah, you know, just like everything about it is weird, but you're That's just attracted cool. to it. Yes, it's cool. Cool, and he's like. He's great in the fucking my favorite wrestling movie of all time is Grunt a wrestling movie. And he's in that and he's fantastic in that. And that's how I as a kid, that's how I learned about Adrian Street was because he mm-hmm. was in Grunt. I'm like, I want to know more about this fucking guy. He's crazy. And um just a badass fucking human being too. Like yeah. you don't fuck with that guy. <laughs> and some of my favorite like photography of all time what because his dad did you know this about his dad did you ever see any of those pictures no i don't think so his dad was a tough-nosed guy and was like a fucking coal miner in fucking england you know mm-hmm. like, you're a tough bastard if you're a fucking coal miner right you know? and he went in like full adrian adonis like paint and the hair, and he had on, like, the frilly, like, suit, and, like, went and, like, took photographs and shit with, like, his dad and all the other coal miners and shit. So it's, like, these rugged old coal miners with fucking soot and all this shit all over, and there's fucking Adrian at Adrian Street. <laughs> with him and shit. This is fantastic. That's great. <laughs> and, and England at that time was, you know, um, more liberal than us. Like, his dad... He said, like, his dad didn't down him for being in wrestling or whatever. He just, he didn't want him to do it, but he just wasn't like, get the fuck out of here. Or right. Like, is like it would have never had like, basically would have never happened if his dad wasn't like, yeah, come take pictures with us, you know? And it was just, it, it's some of the, it's some of my favorite, like, wrestling photography ever. And um, just, he is very, he's a very interesting human being. I agree. 
and there's the WWF document, the WWE documentary on him. It's on the network. It's like 32 minutes or something like that. It's all right. But there's, um, I'd have to, I can't remember the name of it, but there's like a non WWE produced documentary about him. That's you guys, if, if you guys can find it, you gotta go out of your way to watch it. He's just, he's, he's a cool dude. I, I, I like him. I agree. 238. Bad Street, six foot two twenty six, little kayfabe here. One year pro. That's Brad Armstrong. Who is the new mass free bird? That's been a hot question for months. Bad Street is a gifted athlete, however, boasts an amazing DDT from the second rope. Um, obviously, great wrestler is bad, quote unquote. Um, however, at this time, this is about the time where it's like. Eh, for me personally, the free birds have jumped the shark, and it's because mainly I am a free fan. bird. Now I am a fan of Hayes, Gordy, and Buddy, you know, and Buddy Buddy Roberts. Buddy Roberts, I said Buddy Rogers. Sorry. <laughs> to a to a better man, it couldn't happen. Um, Buddy Rogers is a free bird; would have been fantastic. <laughs> but I don't know, and everybody knows you. If you listen to the show. I'm not a huge fan of Jimmy Garvin. Aaron is um, just to me at this point, again, Brad Armstrong, fantastic wrestler, but the Freebirds itself had jumped the shark at this point to me. Yeah. It, I, they would have, it would have been more palatable to me if they would have been called something else. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're not, you're not, the, this is like what we're talking about in like 96 with the horsemen. It's like, the, yeah, this isn't the horsemen. This is this is this is you guys just using a name that people remember and and like I said I'm, I'm a fan of Jimmy Garvin as a as a like heel um, just wrestler or whatever I wasn't really a big fan of him as like a babyface like when he was with Ronnie and shit mm-hmm. like that but like when he was in like world class as a heel I dug it I like when he'd walk up. And he, and he even did it as a face, but like when they did interview him, be like, "What do you think, Jimmy Garvin?" Be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Like, yeah, I didn't try that. But um, this was Brad, and um, I've talked about it a lot of times, probably in the past episodes. And as me being as a kid, I don't need to go into how awesome my fuck like Nate knows this. Even as a kid, I was like, "Fucking Brad Armstrong's the shit." Like mm-hmm. that fucking dude was so goddamn good. Yes. And if he would have been able to just turn on his fucking personality on a fucking camera, like he would have, that guy could have been way bigger than what he was. Like, I, it still surprises me to this day that he wasn't one of the ones that made it to WWF. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and there's not a bad Armstrong. But Steve just had more personality, and obviously um, Brian did too, and that's why they made it there. And fucking Steve, the only reason he left is fucking schedule. They said he hated the fucking schedule. Well, as far as as far as a worker goes, and everybody's going to know what a compliment this is for me because you know how he's not necessarily my favorite wrestler of all time, but I I always say he is to me the greatest in in my era in my time. I didn't watch Dean Kaniski, but for me, the best wrestler of all time 
as a pro bell to bell, I would put Brad up there very close to Kurt Henning. Oh yeah. As far as just bell to bell. Cause you know, Kurt Henning, again, not my personal favorite. He's in my top 10, not my personal favorite. But if you ask me who is bell to bell, the greatest pro wrestler of all time, I say Kurt Henning and I would put Brad up there with him. Oh yeah. Fantastic. 237, Steve Simpson, 6'2", 237 years pro, Athletic South African is back full-time, teamed with Chris Walker to capture the first global tag title. Brother Sean is also a fine pro, quick and agile. I am a fan of the Simpson brothers, and they were the best thing about the dying day world-class wrestling. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know a lot about them. I know he was like, what was he, a big muscular permed guy? Any one of them. Yeah, but he wasn't like, like we talked. Like I talked about earlier. He wasn't like uh, I can't scratch my back. Warrior muscular. He was more naturally muscular. Yeah, you know. And so was his brother. Uh, I like Steve better than Sean. Um, like a Kevin, like a Kevin Von Erich type build. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Like you can tell that this body isn't made by <clears throat> Ico Pro. <laughs> it's not made by steroids or whatever. It's made by getting in the gym and working out and being athletic. And I, I, I dug the Stim- the Simpson brothers. Um, and then the funny thing about them is it's almost it's not the same thing, but um, it's almost like they 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 it was like the Briscoes, the current Briscoes. Like they had this crazy father. Like he was a big time wrestler in Australia, I guess. But by the time they got to the States and like world class and they were doing segments with them and stuff on, on world class wrestling, he's just like this crazy Australian guy's got these and he's like fat and he doesn't look like these two sons would come from him. And I don't know. It's just, I like the Simpsons, but anyway, it's, uh, um, it's not the same thing either, but it's kind of like Paige's family. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like Paige, yes. the attractive little girl, uh, attractive little girl, attractive young girl. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you look at her family, you're like, oh, whoa. Have you seen that movie? That movie's fantastic. It's fighting with my family? Yes. Right? I've never watched that. Oh, man. Watch that movie. Like, I, I was like, eh, whatever. And then Kendall and I watched it, and I was like, this movie is fucking great. It's amazing. Definitely watch I've never it. never watched it. Oh, it's a great movie, man. Like, I, I, me too. Like, I didn't watch it when it first came out or anything. I just was, like, in a show hole or whatever and saw it on Prime, and I was like, eh, I'll watch it. And, yeah, I was like, ah, dude from, uh, dude from fucking, uh, uh, Shaun of the Dead's in it, blah, blah, blah. I'll check it out. It's a fucking great movie. Anyway. Huh? Sean Pegg or whatever? No, the, uh, the fat fat dude. Yeah. Nick Frost or whatever his name is. Yes. Yes. I like Nick Frost. Check out that. No, definitely check out that movie. It's a great movie. I was, it was an unexpected pleasure. Like, I was like, this movie's fucking great, man. I love this movie. I like Nick Frost. <laughs> great. When they pull up, he's like, what's up? And he what's says, up? <laughs> 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 all right, uh, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, oh, fuck. Hot Fuzz or Shaun of the Dead? <sighs> Man, <laughs> it's tough, isn't it? <laughs> it is like okay. Shaun of the Dead is both great, 
Shaun of the Dead is... Okay, all right. Shaun of the Dead is... is your mainstream movie. Yeah. Hot Fuzz is your... I so Shaun of the Dead is the is the movie that you're gonna watch with like somebody that is they like movie they like comedy but they'd rather watch something like uh, um, I don't even know what I'm trying to say like, like a Will Ferrell movie yes and hot hot fuzz is the movie that you watch if, with somebody that likes Monty Python yeah, or, or or it's um, it's it's a deep cut, but like used cars. Yes, it's it's an intelligent like if you're if you're if you're a real student of comedy, that fucking scene where Timothy Dalton and it's like, or yes, fireworks like the sparks around and shit. Or literally in my house, I don't know how many times a day we say yarp, yarp, yarp. Is he dead? Narp. Is he, is he dead? <laughs> or is he? Did you take care of it? Yarp. Is he gonna get up again? Narp. Narp. <laughs> he doesn't know. He's like, all I know is just, I'm, just, yarp. I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna take a guess. Yarp. That's good to hear. It's good to hear. You're nothing like our last constable. Why is that? He had a big bushy beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's your, that's your more intelligent, I guess, intelligent comedy. Whereas, yeah, so they're, but they're both great. I can't pick one. That's like trying to pick your favorite kid. Do you know? And and we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about it anymore. But you know that scene where um, "Don't Stop Me Now" plays on the jukebox, and they're killing all the zombies to the beat of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know why? You know why Peg put that in there. Mm-mm. He said that they they started doing this movie and they're writing it and they're doing all this shit with it. And he's like, "Oh, it's supposed to be." Oh, comedy. it got too serious. He's like, "This got really dark really quick. <laughs> like, we gotta we gotta put something in here." <laughs> it's like this is not funny anymore. Like, <laughs> literally turning into a zombie movie, right? Like people are getting eaten and shit. Like my mom's dead. I just had to shoot my mom. He's <laughs> like, like, this is bad. <laughs> so he came out with that shit because he's like, we got to bring some levity to this shit. <laughs> Number two thirty six here is Tyree Pride five eight two thirty one eight years pro diminutive Haitian has excited fans around the world with his lightning fast style. Has held junior heavyweight titles in PWF and WWC. Harkens back to Barry Dixon. I've heard the name. I don't know a lot about him. Same. 235. Nixon is either. 235. Preston Steele. 6'2", 233. Four years pro. Female fans call him the ultimate male. A veteran of the East Coast independent scene. Current IWA US champ. Trained by Dominic DiNucci. Don't know him either. Nope. 234. Jay Strongbow Jr. 5'11", 233, seven years pro, second generation star as a California favorite. Uses tomahawk chops and quick kicks, much like the legendary Chief Day Strongbow sticks to Pacific Coast. I got nothing. Nope. He wasn't the one that was like pop locking and shit, was he? I have no idea. I have no idea. 233, Kamala. 
17 years pro, the Ugandan giant is currently competing on the independent scene. Despite his size and power, has never captured a major title. Savage is nearly uncontrollable. Listen, in the 1980s and the early 90s... Huh? Kamala's one of my fucking jams. Yes. Awesome. You can... Kamala, what was great about Kamala was... One of the things that was great about Kamala was, first of all, that gimmick could work in any territory. And it never got old. And he was a heel that you could put on top for a couple of months with your top baby face and then move him down the card and he could still be relevant, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And and he didn't have to win because you could always use the fact that he's a jungle savage that doesn't know what the fuck he's really doing. So he, he doesn't, he doesn't care about the pinfalls. He doesn't. And I, I, it's like Abdullah. Yeah. Good shit. And, and, um, he was an instance of like it wasn't Paulie doing it, but it was like let's 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 minimize your negatives and accentuate your positives. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're like Jerry Jarrett knew like when he looked at him, it was like Jesus Christ, let's do this shit with this guy. You know what I mean? Right. And um, you could do like you said, he could be a he could be a heel. Like, like, if you go back and look at some of it, like some of his shit, and like he even went down to Mexico and got that shit over, you know what I mean? And then you could take it and put him with Slick, and it's like we're gonna make him a man, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there was that shit in Memphis where it was like Kamala sings, yeah. Like it's, and and it's just it's kind of like what you're talking about with um, Adrian Street or whatever. It's just like so. Ridiculous and weird that it fucking works. Mm-hmm. And, and I I dig it, and um, I've I, I think I said this when we talked about him when he passed away. He was essential to the Undertaker turning babyface. Yes, essential to it because he had never been afraid of anything until the fucking Undertaker showed yeah. up. <laughs> like, oh, no. Like, like, if he was allowed to speak, it would have been, no, no, no. I don't want to know. <laughs> you know? Like, yes. Like, he, like, I don't want to say Undertaker owes Jim Harris or whatever, but it was, it wouldn't have worked as well without with another character as that. And everybody knows I'm a huge magazine collector and a huge magazine fan. The last thing I'll say about Kamala is he resulted in one of the coolest magazine covers ever. And I cannot remember right now if it is Pro Wrestling Illustrated or The Wrestler, but is the cover where Kamala has the spear with Hulk Hogan's head on it. Yeah. That's a cool fucking magazine cover. But so I, cool. I'll, like I said, I'll die on that hill saying that fucking Taker, that was the perfect, like, feud for that baby face. Because like, I think he went pretty much right into that after Jake, right? Yes. 
Yep, because he 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 wrestles Jake at WrestleMania eight, and then he's into the program with Kamala going into uh, SummerSlam. And see, Jake wasn't afraid of the Undertaker. You know what I mean? And that mm-hmm. that was fine because Jake shouldn't have been, but like. Kamala fucking backpedaling from the Undertaker and being like, Ooh, like yeah, I don't want yeah. nothing to do with that casket. I don't want anything to do with this fucking vulture and this black magic. Right. <laughs> and fucking kimchi and fucking Harvey Whipple like pushing him towards it. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> great shit. Number 232, a guy we've discussed a few times on the Reliving the Extreme podcast, Ray Odyssey. 5'10", 205, three years pro, young Californian, is a former IWCCW light heavyweight champion, brings a surfboard to the ring, well from more than a year on the East Coast independent scene. Good little worker. Yep. 231, Ranger Ross. 6'225", five years pro, former Army Ranger, is a true American hero, Involved in a successful U.S. invasion of Grenada in 1983. Gained stardom in Georgia and WCW. Karate expert. I'm not a fan. Yeah. Man, I'm not going to say I hate him or anything. I just don't. I mean, well, no, thank, thank you for your service, Ranger Ross. But, yes. you know, as, as a wrestler. <laughs> eh, go work at Kinko's. I don't <laughs> Number 230. Old Uncle Fred. Typhoon. 57407. Seven years pro, Massive Mahler has gone through a myriad of image changes known as Superstar Bubba, U.S. Steel, Big Steel Man, and Tugboat before becoming Typhoon. Loves to splash. Um, I like... <laughs> I didn't know about Superstar Bubba. <laughs> I like Typhoon, Tugboat, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he was a decent big man worker. And, man... One of the one of the most surreal things in my mind in in to me in the history of the world is, yes is that there was legitimately like really a discussion <laughs> like we're gonna call him Sheik Tugboat Sheik Tugboat versus Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania seven and Bruce Sheik Pritchard Tugboat Bruce Pritchard, <laughs> Bruce Pritchard God bless him I'm not gonna knock him a lot of people knock him you know or mm-hmm. Roger or whatever. Fucking biggest yes man in the history of yes men. And God bless him because he was making money. You know what I mean? But even he was like, eh. Can't call him cheap tugboat. (laughs) It's fucking stupid. (laughs) We can't do that. (laughs) He was like, yeah, Red Rooster, go for it. You know? Do that shit. Fucking cheap tugboat. (laughs) I just picture him like in the, like the white. Pants and the candy stripe shirt, but then with a turban, you know, yeah. instead of the tugboat hat. It's, just, it's ridiculous. Like, we can call him. Call him Chic Tugboat. <laughs> That's why sometimes I wonder if not old Vince now, but young Vince was just fucking with people to see if somebody would say yes. You know what it's I mean? Like, it's highly possible. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to say Chic Tugboat. And if somebody says yes, I'm going to look at them and be like, why the fuck would you agree with me on that? TV taping. Hmm? I was going to say, I just said, I don't even think that. I don't even think when they said yes, he'd be like, why the fuck? I think he'd let them even, like, they'd say yes, and they'd, like, they'd come with the creative shit, and yeah. they'd get to the TV taping, and be, Vince would be like, I was never 
going to do this. <laughs> you were full of shit. I bet I've been talking to Slaughter for about two months now. <laughs> and that's where we're going. Let's call him Sheik. Like Vince, like, uh, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to say, uh, call him Sheik Tugboat. See who who has the balls to stand up to me and who doesn't. And and um, not to get on a sidebar, but sometimes I think that is part of the reason, honestly, and I know a lot of people say negative shit about it, and I say negative shit about it too. It's part of the reason why he liked Russo at the start. Yeah, because Russo was just like, I, he's either going to like it or he's not. But this way, he he had the balls going there, like, this is stupid. What we're doing is stupid. It's boring and it's stupid. Yeah. Number 229, Lanny Poffo. Six foot, 228, 17 years pro, younger brother of Randy Savage, a skilled gymnast. He keeps opponents off guard with his fluid style, known as the genius for his supposedly high IQ. Fantastic worker. Crazy man. Crazy human fucking being. <laughs> Good. I actually like the genius. And like I said, I actually like Lanny Pot. Like, I. Lanny Poffo was a fucking hell of a worker and did some fucking good shit, but he's fucking crazy. That whole family's fucking crazy. He's, uh, you know, earlier I compared, um, I compared Adrian Street to punk rock. Lanny Poffo, if I'm going to make a musical comparison... It's like David Byrne. Yeah. It's experimental. Like Lanny Papa would go to the ring in a suit of armor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he'd just be like, fuck it, I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm doing it. Let's see what it's, happens. Yeah, let's see what happens. It's like David Byrne. It's like yeah. experimental. You know what I mean? Just like if it works, it works. If it doesn't, somebody's going to like it. <laughs> the fucking David Lynch movie. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, it's Twin Peaks of wrestling over there. Fucking Lanny, yeah. fucking Lanny Poffo, fucking surreal. All right, <laughs> like that fucking shit when Kurt and it, like Kurt's golfing and he hits that fucking hole in one or whatever. And then fucking Lanny just does a backflip for no fucking reason. It's <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> like he hits the hole in one. They come back to Kurt. Kurt stand there with his perm, and fucking Lanny's just like, "I want to hit a backflip," and goes, "Perfect." And you know, Kurt Henning loved it. <laughs> like, just probably like, what the fuck was that? But it was great. But I loved it. Yeah, it was yeah. perfect. <laughs> they were actually cool together. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I love I love Perfect and Bobby together. Don't get me wrong, but. I think Kurt and the genius was like a fucking great fucking combination. Definitely. 228 is Afa, 61304, 17 years pro, one of the original Samoans with Sika. Brutal duo earned the WWF tag title three times during the 80s. Still competes in independence, the dean of Samoan grapplers. Um, Closest thing to a mob family in fucking wrestling is the Samoans. Yes. Yes. And the Wild Samoans were, at their time, fucking fantastic. And it's also fantastic. They were also... 
Lou Albano and the Samoans. Yeah. And Lou Albano, like, talking Samoan in Lou Albano, you know? (laughs) He just fucking is Lou Albano being nuts with these two fucking crazy-ass guys eating raw fish. And they were also two of the first guys as far as the, the WWF, the Vince Jr. WWF, to get it. Yeah. Like, I'm almost surprised they didn't last longer than they did. When when the the rock and wrestling connection started, because like the early I mean, TNTs, I mean, look at look at what you said. Like look at his look at his stats, and we're ninety one. How many years? Seventeen. He was kind of I don't want to say aging out, but he's kind of aging out. You know, mm-hmm. and um, I think that's part of it of why they didn't. And I think if I'm 17 years into my career, you know, and I've been working in New York and doing this and doing that. And then you're telling me, Oh, right now we're going to go to New York. And then one day you're going to be, one day you're going to be in New York and then you're going to be in Topeka. And then you're going to be in fucking Cincinnati. It's like, eh, I'm good. <laughs> I've made my money. Right. Um, trained a shitload of people. Um, like Kidman. Batista. Batista. Yeah, yeah, Batista. And like like it said, like in here, like they said, like, you know, the the dean of the Samoan people, it's like he kinda I, I don't want to talk like I know what I'm talking about, but I think he kinda took over the helm when Peter died. You know, it's like mm-hmm. all right, it's gone now. He's not around, so Somebody's gotta do it. Yeah, somebody's gotta be the guy to to be the boss. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I don't mean it like as a, I don't want to say, like, I don't mean it as like a, like a bad connotation when I say like they're there. That's like the biggest mob family of fucking wrestling is them Samoans. Yeah. Like, we keep to our, we, you fuck with one of us, you fuck with all of us. And if you're our family, you're our fucking family and you don't do anything out of the fucking family. You know? Yep. 227, another guy that we part ways on. Bill Irwin. Yeah. 6'1", 250, 18 years pro veteran. Wild Bill is tough as nails. Formed the tag team of long riders with his brother Scott in the mid-80s. Lean cowboy favors leather boots as ring wear. I like Bill Irwin. Um, I liked him and Scott together until his brother had an untimely passing. I'm just a fan of the Irwins, and I know you're not, but not really. Um, number 226, I don't even know. I guess I don't, whatever. 226 is six. Is Steve Ray. 6'3", 256, four years pro. Wild Thing has changed his style considerably. Once a power wrestler, now uses aerial skills. Trained by veteran Sonny Myers. I don't know who Steve Ray is. He was in the, the um, UWF. That's where I know I'm from with the Herb Abrams deal. Okay. When you said UWF, I was like, ah, I've watched a lot of Mid-South and I've never seen no Steve, right? <laughs> he was, he was, yeah, he was a fucking Herb Abrams guy. <clears throat> 225 is Miguel Perez Jr. 6'1", 232, five years pro, son of veteran Miguel Perez, UC favorite, defeated Kim Duck 
to win the WWC Caribbean title on February 16th. Matches over 30 minutes are a speciality. Miguel Perez Jr., the human sweater. Yeah, furball. (laughs) He was fine. Yeah. You know, they 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 tried with him in like 96. I was like, eh, whatever. 224. Uh, speaking of human sweaters, Dutch Mantel. <laughs> 5'11, 224, 18 years pro. Grizzled vet now wrestles in WCW. Former, former, formed, sorry, the Desperados, but they disappeared quickly. A former CWA champion calls his leather whip shoe baby. Dutch Mantel, um, great mind, great personality. All around a I I can't find fault with Dutch Mantel. No, um, he did a good. Well, I'm not gonna go into the whole story or whatever, because I know what we're probably gonna do like what two more or whatever. We'll do a few more. Okay. Um, I might have to go inside then because my phone's my battery's low, but that's okay. Um, he did a cool thing one time where Jimmy Hart was trying to get him to join the, the first family in Memphis or whatever. And Jimmy was like, I can't remember the amount of money he gave him. I think it was like 200 bucks or something like that, you know? And he took it, put it in his pocket, and he's like, yeah, I'm not going to join you. And he just- <laughs> <laughs> That's great. He's like, Come get your money. And Jimmy Hart, he took my money. And he's just like, see ya. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> but no, I, it's just like, for me, Dutch Mantel is, okay, I can't say all around. I can't say all around. Just because he didn't have, I mean, I guess you could even say he had a look because he had a unique look. He's all around good. Like he's a he's a great promo. Um, he's got good psychology. Yeah, he doesn't have bad matches. And I was gonna say i i would I would knock him for the look, but look wise, it's a unique look, even though it's not necessarily it's maybe like it's interesting. Yes, it's an interesting looking human being right there. Yeah. So he checks every box. Yeah. And and just he was a, he's a good teacher. Mm-hmm. Like Steve talked about him, he he said that like he was the first guy that saw something in Steve. Honest, like every, like like you're a big guy. Like he's like you're a big, good looking guy. You know, basically mm-hmm. Steve is like a puppy with big paws, and was like I like he. Steve basically talks about he's the first guy that had interest in him and um, told Steve to, for one, Steve's name is Steve Williams. And Steve showed up and he's like, what's your name? Oh, Steve Williams. He's like, well, we already got one of them. (laughs) Something else. Well, how long do I got? You got like 30 minutes. And he came to him. He's like, uh, he's like, Steve, like Steve Austin. He's like, I'm Steve Austin. And he was like, He's like, yeah, you ain't that $60 man. You're more like the $6 man, you know? And basically told Steve, he's like, I want you to 
And then Steve said, what can I do? What can I do to get better or whatever? And he's like, you see that chair there? I want you to sit in that chair and I want you to watch every single goddamn match that happens tonight and watch people that are better than you and just learn through osmosis. Mm-hmm. And Steve said that he did that. Obviously, he didn't do that when he became Stone Cold or whatever. Right. But he did that for years. Like, I'm just going to sit and I'm going to watch every fucking match to see what guys do that, that I like and what guys do that I'm like, ugh, I look like shit, you know? Right. Type of thing. And I just, he, he seems like he's just, Dutch is just a guy that knows how to take young people and do shit with them. Like, the, I know you're not a fan of TNA or whatever, but that knockouts division, mm-hmm. with how great everybody talks about that was with like with like Awesome Kong and Gail Kim and and the beautiful people and all that. That that was all Dutch. Hmm. It was all Dutch man. Dutch Mantel groomed all of those knockout division girls. He was kind of like how Finley was with the Divas. Like, here's a guy that we're no we know is not going to be a creeper. Right, (laughs) he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna figure out quickly who's talented and who's not. Yeah, and and he's not gonna be like, oh, look at Lacey Von Eric over there; she's fucking hot. You know, you don't have to worry about like Dutch like doing something inappropriate with fucking Lacey Von Eric, right? Kind of like they did with Finley. It's like, hey, we don't have to worry about Finley trying to like fucking grope Maria, right? He's not going to slap Layla on the ass. Yeah. Good, good match, toots. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's not John Laurinaitis. Yeah. Or Vince. <laughs> the boss. Yeah. But um, I, I, I enjoy Dutch Mantel and I love listening to Dutch Mantel fucking stories. Mm-hmm. Like he said, one of my favorite stories ever. He said he was in the shitty hotel and he called down to like the desk. Because his sink was fucked up. And he called down there and he said, Hey, I got a leak in my sink. And the fucking dude at the counter was like, Well, if you got to, go ahead. <laughs> and he's like, No, I mean it's dripping. Like, my sink isn't functioning right now. <laughs> I was like, well, If you got to, go ahead. All right. Number 223, Johnny Stewart. Don't know him. Six. <laughs> I'm thinking. I think Aaron Anderson. I don't know you. Uh, it's Aaron Anderson. Jimmy. Aaron Anderson with Howard Baum. <laughs> I don't know you. Anyway, Johnny Stewart, six two, two forty two, five years pro, fast rising youngster, calls himself the illustrious one. Played football at Memphis State and UCLA. Hated in the AWA. All right, we're moving on. Last one we'll do today. Sunny Beach. Sunny Beach. 6'4, six, six, 270, six years pro. Popular Californian is now coming into his own. A well traveled as well traveled as anyone. German suplex is a favorite maneuver. Duo with Steve Ray has entered global. So I'm a big fan of global, and I don't remember Steve Ray, but I remember Sunny Beach. That's weird. Was Sunny Beach, Sandy Beach in the WWF? Yeah. Yes. All right. I wanted to make sure because that's one of my favorite just throwaway Bobby Heenan things ever. Monsoon on primetime's like, let's go to this match with the young upcomer Sandy Beach. And Bobby's like, you should see his sister, Kitty Litter. 
and then they just go to the match. Like, like Monsoon's not even like, come on, Bobby, or whatever. It's like, you should see his sister, Kitty Litter. And then the match starts. It's fucking great. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> God rest the soul of that fucking man, Bobby Heenan. <laughs> oh, <fucking> great. <sighs> like, we could do like a seven part fucking episode on just shit that Bobby Heenan says. Yes. Or did. <laughs> And like he didn't even have to fucking speak to be funny. Like one of my favorite one of my favorite fucking things ever is when they're in the fucking vestibule, him and fucking griller in the vestibule for no holes barred. And he's finally gonna get to go in. And he goes in there with Sherry, and as they're walking in, like he's like looking at Monsoon, like yeah, I'm gonna, because Sherry says she's gonna take him up in like the mm-hmm. fucking back seats or whatever. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm gonna get some action with Sherry. And he fucking walks in the door frame because he's looking at Monsoon, like yeah, I'm gonna get some. <laughs> it's the fucking door frame. <laughs> or, or when you're wa- when you watch prime time, just watch like not even the matches. I'm talking about Bobby and Gorilla at the desk, and sometimes when Gorilla says that. <laughs> There is, other than Vince McMahon and William Regal, or not other than, but Vince McMahon, William Regal, Bobby Heenan, best facials. Because Gorilla Monsoon could say, like, Bobby Heenan could have, like, this proud moment where, you know, he's in all his glory and he's got an intercontinental champion or a tag team champion or something. And Gorilla Monsoon tells him a bit of bad news and they just flash to Bobby's face. Like he doesn't say anything. They just, his he was so fucking good. Yeah, and and one of my favorite things is um, and and I'm gonna point this out by saying this, like um, I'm a huge Dave Chappelle fan. Okay, love mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle, and he loved Charlie Murphy. Okay, Eddie Murphy's brother. And he said that, like, and when Charlie died, he did, like, a like a in-memory of him or whatever. And he talked about when Charlie Murphy would be getting ready to do a skit or whatever. And I know this isn't a visual thing, but he showed, like, aspects. Like, like I'm going to explain to you guys when I knew Charlie was getting into it. Like, he knew. Like, he said Charlie would start, like, going, like, shake it like this. And he knew that was when Charlie was going to come up with some shit like uh, like he had, oh I thought of this it's just gonna be funny you know? <laughs> and he just kind of like start like like a tick you know mm-hmm. all right like the minute he saw Charlie like kind of shaking a little bit he's like this motherfucker's gonna come up with some shit <laughs> you know? he, like, he just thought of something that ain't in the script and he's gonna hit us with it like you can see that when you watch primetime sometimes where you know they're not going off what like Bruce was producing or like you can see when the fucking gears are turning in Bobby. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I got this. I got this shit. You know, like, like it's kind of what I've noticed with Bobby. It was, he, he'd cock his head a little bit. Like, Mm -hmm. all right, Mm. I got, I got this. I'm I'm gonna, this shit's going to hit. You know what I mean? And that was always the shit where Monsoon laughed. Like every, Mm -hmm. and, I know Bobby's not on this fucking list or well he was on the list actually, but um how do we start talking about oh kiss kitty litter. But he he's just he he's he's the greatest of all time. 
And that's why Gorilla. Okay. I know people that, and I, I just, I totally disagree with them. And then we will sign off, folks. I totally disagree with anybody that disses Gorilla as a play-by-play man. Reason being, I think that for the product that he was commentating for, he was perfect. Yeah. He wasn't meant to be fucking Gordon solely because Vince McMahon wasn't presenting Florida wrestling. But anyway. That's why Gorilla, no matter how how it is, how entertaining it is to watch Bobby with Vince or Bobby with Tony or Bobby with Tanay or Bobby with anybody he was ever paired with, the reason Bobby and Gorilla are the best ever together, I say even over JR and Lawler, Gorilla played the perfect straight man to Bobby. They had a chemistry. I don't know. Is there a commentating team in the history of wrestling that ever had a better chemistry than those two? Chemistry. No. As they were best friends. Yeah. I mean, Gorilla Gorilla knew what to say. You know, you said that the the wheels turning. Gorilla Monsoon knew what to say to get those wheels turning. Yeah. He was like, oh, I got to get brain to get some funny shit out here. Here's what I'm going to say. And just I think, to set him off. And Bobby was, honestly, I think a lot of times was like, what? Because Gorilla is like a professional. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And 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 talking about mob shit, like he's a fucking mobster. And, and we're, we don't need to talk about that. But I think a lot of times some of the shit Bobby did – I was like, I'm gonna get this fucker to, I'm gonna get this fucker to bust. You know what I mean? What can I do to get this motherfucker to laugh? His real laugh. His real laugh. <laughs> yeah. like when they're on that boat, that, that's Gorilla Monsoon. That's the realest Gorilla Monsoon ever was on fucking TV, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and that boat thing, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, you got to go out your way to watch it. That was two buddies having a goddamn good time. <laughs> and and I don't think, honestly, there's a better. And, and I know you're we talking about Bobby and and Gorilla, but I don't think there's a better fucking all around just broadcasting crew ever than that fucking era where it was like Vince, Lord Alfred Hayes, Bobby Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon, Sean Mooney. Like, I think Sean Mooney's super fucking underrated. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. And, and that... The thing that, I, the thing that I always loved about, and, and you brought up Mooney, so I'll bring this up. What I always loved about um, Alfred Hayes... Alfred Hayes was always a baby face until he was commentating with Sean Mooney. Then he was the heel. Yeah. Like when, when, when he'd commentate, he still did. He still had his cadence, his WWF cadence. But when he commentated with Sean Mooney, he was the like 1981 Lord Alfred Hayes. You know, he was kind of snooty. Yeah. I just, I, I think that, era of commentators 
it it, it gets frowned. Play by play. No, I know what you're saying. Not play by play, because at that time they weren't calling wrestling; they were calling sports entertainment, and they were telling stories. Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's a debate. I would love to have that debate with somebody that is on the opposite side of us on this, like somebody yeah. like that is a like a a guy that lived through the seventies with the Gordon Soley. You know, or uh, you know how much I love Lance Russell or the Lance Russells, you know. It's, like it's a different product. Absolutely. And, and it's found the perfect, the perfect suit, you know. And and, and, and I, I forgot to mention him, and I'm sorry that I did, but I, I didn't mention Okerlund. You got to put Okerlund in there. Yeah. But it's like I've never seen a better – I've never seen a and I know it's clean. Everybody says it, but I've never seen a better wrestling interviewer than fucking Mean Gene Overland. Well, ever. in down. my entire life, down. My entire life. nobody else would have been able to handle the the we coming for you n word. The the two best interviewers, not commentators, the two best interviewers of all time are Gene and Lance Russell. Yeah, you know you got you got because they're both like the the a different kind, but they're both like the uncle coming into your house. You know, Gene's like the uncle that's maybe put back a few, yeah. <laughs> and Lance is like the kindly uncle. You know that you know. But anyway, yeah, these they're the, the these are the sanest guys in this insane situation. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like. Jake Roberts says some off the wall shit, and Mean Gene just like, huh. Well, let's find out this week in Poughkeepsie, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good lord, Jake Roberts. You're <laughs> <laughs> off the wall, buddy. And yeah. I'm actually watching um, um, WWF Superstars episodes from 1993. And this is stuff that they've put recently on Peacock, like the whole year of 93, that I haven't seen since they originally aired, to be honest. And I forgot about the face-to-face. Like, they re- when Sean Mooney left, they replaced it with that face-to-face thing that Mean Gene did. Yeah. And those are... You should watch those. Those are some great segments. Like, he has... He does some fantastic stuff on those. But anyway... It's time to sign off. Good, because I'm at like 14% of my battery. <laughs> well, we want to thank you for joining us this week, everybody. We made it to 222. Next week, we'll start at 221. This is this series is going longer than I thought it would, but it's also been very enjoyable, so I don't care. But we've also talked about like 15 people that weren't even on the goddamn yes. book. Yeah. but. And I'm having a lot of fun with it. And hopefully next week we get Archie back on the show. And uh, I want to encourage everybody to listen to all the shows here on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network, Reliving the Extreme, The Year That Was, If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking, uh, Slice of Time, our newest episode, Mark's Indie Spotlight with Mark Brew. He's doing a great job, too. Welcome to the family, Mark. Fucking And Aaron, do you have any parting words for listeners before your phone dies? Uh, just thanks for listening guys. I appreciate it. Um, 
and any I try to say this a lot any feedback or comments or anything you guys can give us is appreciated especially on any kind of podcast site like star ratings they, they, they don't seem like they matter, but they do matter because more five-star ratings and comments move the shows up up the ladder. Like, I don't even care what you say in the comments. You could say, like, I, f- I fucking love potatoes. Like, I don't give a shit what the fuck you say. It's not for, you know, our, our egos or anything like that. It just... Comment, review, star, do whatever you gotta do to help drive this show and all the other shows up, up, up the ladder and up the radar. That's right, everybody. Remember, hashtag Kyle's a potato. That's what you want to comment, <laughs> and we will <laughs> we will continue this journey through the initial PWI 500 next week. Thank you for joining us, everybody. We'll see you next week here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast.